0: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you so much for being here. Very excited to share this episode with you. It's a really great chat with voice actor, improviser, audio editor, director... Uh, education director of the Improv Network and co host of the Improv Network podcast, James Quesada. He does a lot of stuff and we talk about a good bit of it. I'll tell you, an hour is just not enough to really scratch the surface of all the stuff he's doing, but we still have a great chat. Why don't I just get right to it? Here's my chat
1: with James Quesada. Are you from Michigan originally? Yep. Yeah, okay. same, same. Really, same story as as Julia and Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whole um, crew. I knew that you met uh, there, so I yeah. assumed
0: that that was uh, that was the case. You've done a yes. ton yeah. of stuff. Like you were doing a ton of stuff there, and you're doing a ton of stuff here in New York. I mean, you're you're pretty great, man. You're you're really incredible.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I like to keep busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you do. You keep you keep incredibly busy. You st- now, did you start a YouTube? for
1: of the improv f- faq then uh, the last year um let's see i i think i officially i started uploading it um in like 2019 oh, okay and then i launched it and like started promoting it at the beginning of 2020 mm-hmm. um So wherever that, and I I think I actually made the channel uh, uh, a few years before that. It it had been an idea that I was sitting on for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and like you, you have a bunch of stuff on these different platforms. You have a, a lot of different things on YouTube, but you have a lot of work out there on the internet, and it comes after years of developing as an improviser, as a comedy person, working in audio. So let's go back and talk about where it all sort of began for you. Uh, like me, we both have a background in audio. Um, mm-hmm. Did you go to school for that? Like, how did that come into your world?
1: No, and, and that's – it's it's just – I've been thinking about this so much recently because I've been applying for jobs, and um, I, I just – it just happens that, like, a lot of the opportunities that I've been getting have been um, – People have been biting on my uh, audio resume more than like my uh, administration resume, which I have like way more experience in. Um, (laughs) And uh, it's been just kind of cracking me up, like that I'm I'm following the. Let let me let me uh, I'll I'll jump back to um, how I got started with audio. Uh, I started an interest with it. uh, I was writing a show. One of the last shows I did in Michigan um, was called uh now that's what i call a show about music um <laughs> and uh we were uh doing a bunch of different genres and um songwriting and uh so th- that's when i started using um GarageBand and and uh, just like dabbling with uh software and um re- writing and recording music um and that was about five or six years ago five years ago and um that, so that was like that was like when I first got started. Then when, then when I moved here, uh, pretty much the only person I knew in New York um, was a close friend of mine from college. Uh, his name is Colin, and he is a career musician. Um, and uh, he started becoming a, a self-produced um, a, a producer, a music producer and audio engineer. Um along with a, a bandmate of his. He's, he's out here in a band uh, called D.D. White. Um, so when I got here, I started collaborating a lot with Colin, um, and I, I, I fell into helping out with um, Colin's music production, and we were looking for all these different ways to, like, how can we infuse, um, how can we infuse comedy and music? Is there a way to do that? Um, and so we uh, have done a couple music projects, parody, genre, bands. And, um, that's also how I started thinking about like, um, what else can I do with audio and comedy podcast was, was obviously one of those things that jumps out. Uh, and then we also started doing, um, audio sketch comedy. Um, and I just got really obsessed with like the idea, the, the, um, the format, the medium of audio and, uh, the possibilities of it. And, uh, it turns out I actually have a, a knack for the technical aspects of it. Um, as well. So it really is just something that I kind of fell into um, because of the people I was (laughs) surrounded by. And now I'm like making a little career out of it, which is insane to me that it's it's just, it's just not really part of the um, plan I had uh, coming here, but I'm happily uh, falling into it farther and farther.
0: That's cool. I don't know that I've heard a story where someone in audio sort of fell into it and just realized they had a knack for it because either people went to media school, you know, went to school for media or mass communication, worked in radio a little bit, so they just knew it from that point of view, and then mm-hmm. they just kept doing it. Or they are afraid to edit audio, <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, hear. understandably. People are just like, oh, I don't, should I bother? Should I even do it? Should I hire someone to do it? And it's like, well, I think it's super easy, but... <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you have to have patience for it. It, it, There really is, like, it's a puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to, and it gets tedious. So, like, it's easy enough, but, like, you really have to have patience for just manipulating the software and taking the time, right? Yeah,
0: and you are very good at the sort of mixing engineering of sound aspect of it. I don't mess with that stuff as much, but when it comes to just, like, editing some audio in a basic way that that part uh i you know a lot of people can tackle and i think there's a fear there that they don't need to have but yeah when it comes to really like thinking about uh, putting effects or filters on on things that's where it's like all right well i don't i have the free version of all these programs (laughs) 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 um when i worked in radio uh, I did that stuff because the company was paying for a, a sure, real yeah. version of Adobe. But
1: yeah, it's, it can be an expensive habit to have too. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think, I think the joke inside the, um, uh, oh, what do they, what do they say? There's, uh, gas gear acquisition syndrome. Um, <laughs> you can very quickly become obsessive about, you know, software plugins, microphones gear um and uh so yeah one you got to be motivated to, to to do it and and but <laughs> it's a double-edged sword being or uh yeah. you know pros and cons of, of being um getting obsessed with it
0: i looked into the plug-in stuff and i'm like oh, i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to
1: do all these plugins and mess with all this yeah, I remember, I remember when I uh, opened up in GarageBand um, for the first time, I realized uh, that there was a pedal board because I would just kind of like mm-hmm. put preset um, sounds on if I was recording guitar and just kind of like see what GarageBand had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, I don't even know how it happened, but I just like clicked on on the pedal board and you open up and there's like all this customizable, even just in GarageBand, which is like mm-hmm. the cheap and or, or free version of um, Mac software. Uh, and then there's this these pedal boards with with all the buttons and dials and shit and i was like oh my god <laughs> it, was, it was like opening up pandora's box of like mm-hmm. oh no i i thought i thought that i was getting a handle on on what what all is included in here but this, there's more there's so
0: much more yeah i've heard a lot about it from my friends who are musicians so you were when you're an actor and a comedian when did those come into the fold for you? Was that something that started back in high school or college?
1: Yeah. Um, I, again, kind of stumbled at it. I've, I've always had like a performative side and a, and a uh, comedy side, um, as a like part of my personality. Um, but in high school, I switched high schools from, uh, Canton in Michigan to, uh, Wald Lake in, in Michigan. Hmm. And, um, when I got to Walled Lake Western, um, I just, uh, some, some of the people that I was getting to know, making friends with, uh, I, I saw hanging out after school in the hallway in costumes. They were, and, uh, I, I was like, Oh, there's a theater program here. Um, and, uh, slowly, but surely from that point on got roped into the, like, what is a theater program? Cause I can't, mm-hmm. I came from, I came from a high school that, that, um, uh, originally the one I moved from Mm -hmm. was like three high schools on one campus. And so like the extracurriculars, um, were, were kind of like hard for me to find. Mm -hmm. Um, it just seemed like, like easier to be, uh, lost. Um, And then uh, once I got to a smaller high school, uh, that's when I started discovering extracurriculars, found theater. I also got involved in something called forensics, which is competitive speech and acting. Um, And it's very like adjacent or intertwined with uh, theater kids. So like, um, yeah, I just kind of like, again, discovered a little Narnia um, by accident and uh, um, leaned farther and farther into it. In college, uh, I I had actually started (laughs) with a physics major was my intention and I wanted to be a I wanted to be a teacher mm-hmm. um but then the, the the more I was in college I was also like man I really just have this itch to do the creative the performative the acting stuff and so I, I you know then I was like maybe I'll maybe I'll do physics major with a uh communications minor mm-hmm. um and then I did that for like another year, and then and then I was like, no, I think I'm gonna switch my major to communication and theater arts, which is where I ended up. Um, so again, just like kind of, I don't know, I I tried to like do something that that seemed a little bit more like <laughs> job secure or whatever. Um, uh, but I just like couldn't I couldn't avoid the itch uh, or the pull toward the acting and and speaking side. Sure. When uh, you
0: did start getting into comedy. When was that? Was that, I mean, like really studying improv and, and, uh, do, and did you do stand up at all?
1: I never did stand up. Um, uh, the way I got into improv was that, uh, in one of the courses I took, um, in the uh, theater department, um, was improvisation and role play. And, um, it was actually designed more for teachers. Um, as 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 sort of like a uh a fun practical way to engage a group basically um but i really liked the exercises for themselves and and the, there was a graduate assistant um that was uh t- teaching the class um who did improv and so when the term was over i was i was like hey where do i find this stuff <laughs> like where do you do it and uh, he invited me out to a place called Go Comedy Improv Theater. Um, and, uh, and I went, and again, another Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> I got there and immediately was like, holy shit, this is awesome.
0: <laughs> nice. And you did so much there. I mean, uh, you, obviously you did improv. Uh, I assume you did sketch. Yes. But I know that you also directed. You were getting into directing there. And uh, directed some things that that was what uh, I talked about with Nicole and Julian. Uh, was yes. that you know the, the show they did was one that you directed? Um, mm-hmm. So yes, definitely a Narnia situation where you're just falling into it so deep. When did uh, when did you start thinking? Oh, I can actually direct, and, and is that maybe coming from your previous desire to teach?
1: yeah yeah definitely there and and teaching is is still something that i really love and directing is probably the thing that i am most passionate about and get the most joy artistically out of Mm -hmm. um so that that's definitely stayed with me uh and um you know uh, so again uh, going back to the theater program i found uh forensics, competitive speech and, uh, speech and acting. Uh, once I graduated, um, I had only got, because I moved to high schools, uh, halfway through, um, halfway through high school, I only got two years of the theater and forensic stuff. So mm-hmm. like by the time I graduated, I was like, man, I really want to stay involved in this program. I was going to a college, not too far away. And so I started, uh, I offered to start, uh, coaching, um, program uh, and i did um and and i which i loved I, I did that for like 10 years um and i had and i had been coaching for like four years mm-hmm. three or four years before i found improv so i knew that i could like i could i had some confidence with like coaching and directing mm-hmm. um and so as soon as the opportunities came up um in the improv world uh i jumped on those um with uh, with a little bit of confidence um behind me to you know lead creatively
0: that's dope. So when it comes to coaching and directing, do you have any philosophies that you try to hold dear, any principles that you always try to lead with? Um
1: I yeah, I think that uh in general versatility is really important. Um I think that uh my my experience with improv um, one of the things that, that I get like bummed out about or, or that I see happening is, is that people kind of like fall into, um, a particular style or like a, uh, a wheelhouse. It's like you start out, you take, start taking you know classes and you get excited and you take every opportunity. And then as soon as you find what works or, or like land on a team or something, you kind of, uh, there's a tendency to, to start getting, um, uh, start being safe about oh, what yeah. you're doing or, yeah, or, or not doing. Yeah, yeah. And and so so I like to challenge people as a director to like, um, do, to try new things, to step outside of their comfort zones, and mm-hmm. even if you know your strength, to um challenge yourself to do the thing that you're less comfortable doing. Uh, at, at least, at least, so that you have tried it. You know what I mean. So, right. so that, that's that's one thing that I really, uh, as a director, I'm always uh, trying to do is, is is the challenge element and making sure that you're not resting on your laurels, um, whatever the project might be.
0: I think that's what even Julia said was how the show that that you directed was developed was that you gave them a challenge. You gave her, or maybe Nicole said it, but it was that you gave them a challenge for like there was an idea but you had like a challenge. I think they even maybe specifically said you like giving challenges to people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, so there, there's a couple uh shows that they were both in. Obviously there, there's their duo show, the parent mm-hmm. trap uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then there's another show called the elastic time cannon, which they were both in. Um, and both of those yeah, really were challenging shows. Um, they presented the parent trap idea to me. And then I found uh, ways within that to challenge them. the, the elastic time cannon was a show that I uh, specifically designed to be a challenge for, for myself as a director and for the cast um, to just try to see what we could do with, to see what we could do with the challenge. (laughs) Uh,
0: And and what was that challenge for people who don't know?
1: For the elastic time cannon, it was um, basically I wanted to create a show uh, 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 in, in the Detroit improv community. Um, Again, my observation is like, uh, People sometimes uh, start playing too safe too quickly or getting comfortable. Um, and also, there wasn't really much of a rehearsal culture. It's not very standard. Um, when I, in my uh, time improvising in the community, um, wasn't very standard to have rehearsals, especially not once you got uh, good, <laughs> which I thought was kind of unfortunate. Um and uh so my challenge with that show was generally to be like okay this is going to be a show that we're going to do rehearsals for we're going to do an intensive rehearsal process and we're going to do we're going to design the show to have elements that you can't just jump into Mm -hmm. so we want to we want to create a show that uh you must spend time rehearsing in order to accomplish Mm um yeah And, and then so and then in short the skill set that we were workshopping was basically, uh, working memory. Um, and we found all these different ways to, uh, play around with repetition and, uh, patterns of dialogue, uh, and doing scenes, uh, backwards and forwards and, um, kind of like building, uh, fun patterns. Very cool.
0: In regards to what you were saying about people playing safe, I mean, I definitely am guilty of that. I think just about everybody is, I guess, you know, you, you do get your, sort of moves that you get really comfortable with because even if, I mean, I think for me, sometimes it's not even like, well, this is what I'm best at. So I'm just going to do this all the time. It gets to be, well, this is what feels safe to do. I'm not in a vulnerable spot here and trying to do something that I know I'm not good at. But then there are also the people who have strengths that they don't feel confident in. And so pushing them for those, I imagine is, ultimately better for them because then you're also revealing to them where you're telling them like, Hey, you're good at this thing that you don't do very often.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. So, sometimes, uh, people, you know, obviously theater in general comes along with a lot of, uh, introverts or, you know, we all, we all have uh self-esteem, uh, mm-hmm. battles and whatnot. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, and it's also such a cooperative it's meant to be, you know, the 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 uh, the principle of supporting your partner also sometimes becomes um, a roadblock in a sense where where we we start holding back mm-hmm. um, because we're worried about things like steamrolling or um, taking too much attention or. Or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, some, sometimes it is about that of, of just like, like you you realize that you should do this more <laughs> or like not hold back. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, also, yeah, like exactly what you said is, is showing people um, what they're good at that they might not even see without being able to step outside themselves uh, to see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What were some of the challenges that, for yourself, that you ended up facing and maybe didn't even realize that you're going to have to as
1: a director. Um, One of the big, probably like longest term challenges I've had is just about that. So, so because I like to challenge people um, I'm, I'm very, I get excited about like possibilities and like, like what, what the next challenge is. And I often don't um, take enough time to celebrate the little victories that we have from whatever the last challenge was so you know that that translates to either um taking time to to give like the positive notes as well as the constructive ones i mean especially with that that uh elastic time cannon show uh after after shows i would just be like oh we're so close to nailing it like and i think if we can just do this and this like oh next time's gonna be awesome and i think that that's an exciting thing but then i see the air kind of get let out of some of the cast, where, where they're like, "I I thought that was pretty good." Like, oh yeah. yeah <laughs> can yeah. we talk about how awesome it was? <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh for sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that notes after the show, I think they make so much sense because it's you know it's fresh. The show is fresh on our minds. We just did it, but then yeah. like the downside is when someone's like, "Oh wait, I didn't do well with this one." <laughs> You know, like yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I didn't realize this, but I mean, you know, what
1: are you going to do? I Yeah. I, I, and, and I think there's an answer. I think there is a, what are you going to do? I I think, I think it is, um, celebrating more, I, but I just, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's something that I need to consciously take time to do because it's, it's not that I, I'm not happy. It's just that when I get happy about, um, how well something went, I think about the possibilities of how much more we can do Mm-hmm. um and and that is just kind of skipping a step um you know right. it's a little unfair to not revel in in something that you did well
0: oh right and also sometimes and I, I, this can be fixed just with communication but sometimes people will say well wait a minute so it feels like you're changing the goalposts." yeah but one of the things that i think is maybe misunderstood about any art form but in it it seems particularly common in improv is that there isn't this one end zone that you can get into and then that's it. You know, like you, all right, you, you scored and that's, this is where you're going to be. Like you're always going to be trying to improve. And with every improvement you make, there's more, there's now more potential (laughs) for you. You can never really reach Mm -hmm. your full potential. It's like climbing stairs. Like once you, if you're at the bottom of the stairs, the top of the stairs seems like a really long way. But it's also kind of endless how far up you can go the, the farther you start going. You know, like it's just, <laughs> yeah. oh, now I'm here in the middle or what I thought was the middle. And now there's so much more I can go now that I didn't even see before. Yeah, yeah, just
1: constantly seeing. (laughs) The
0: higher you go, the higher you see. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I I can understand being daunting, but uh, (laughs) like I'll never be good. But it's always just, hey, then now you're just closer to being even, even. You know, doing things you didn't know existed. Now you know there's this new stuff that you can do that would be fun and exciting to do.
1: Yeah, and it's it's this interesting um, paradox, uh, specifically with improv. Um, cause I, th- I think what you're describing definitely applies to like, um, I mean, just about any goal oriented thing, but, but with improv, it's, it's like at the beginning, you, most people get into it to, uh, for, to some degree for like the thrill seeking of it mm-hmm. because it's a rush and it's taking you out of your comfort zones and you're scared and you you know, blacked out during the scene that you did, um, because you (laughs) were in panic mode, but it went well. And, you know, there's excitement to that. And, um, and then, and then uh, I think like early on we're geared to like chase that and try to find ways to like be throwing ourselves out on the stage and be like, okay, like, here's my next chance. I can't wait. And it's going to be scary, but I'm like, I'm going to do better this time. Um, and then eventually our goal becomes to like get less and less scared so that we are, you know, consistently doing well, which is understandable. But, but then, then it kind of defeats one of the things that, um, I think like putting yourself in scary situations, uncomfortable, you know, in theater wise, <laughs> not right. like uh, walking around at 4am. Uh, but like, you know, uh, uh, trying things that are scary, uh, in improv um i think that puts you in a mode where like your creative mind kicks in um and uh you get innovative and you surprise yourself and other people but then but then we it's, it's like okay let me do what i know and then it's like whoo i don't have to be scared anymore but i think really if, if you're going to be o- always improving and, and getting better at, at improv you have to always be putting yourself in some kind some some degree of Fear and panic mode of like, oh, you know, what? Yeah. What find that thing and and then go do it to scare yourself and surprise yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: something, uh, there's always like work that we can do. And I don't mean to say that in a, you'll never be good enough sort of way, which I know people would take it that way (laughs) if a coach said that to them. Oh, boy. (laughs) But in truth, you know, there's always just opportunity. And also some weeks you're going to do better at a particular thing than other weeks. And you just, you know, like I know constantly there's certain things that I just need to be reminded of um, that are things I've been doing for years, but then I'll I'll go a few shows and not do them, uh, not do whatever yeah. the, the thing was. Um, maybe it's just listening more clearly, you know, whatever. Um, so there's there's always like honing and going back and like relearning some of the basics and um and then just improving sharpening certain things i mean that's that's to me a beautiful thing about art and skill yeah. within art
1: yeah yeah there's a reason why you know modern improv's only been around so long but it's been around long enough to to prove that you can put you know decades into it it's it got an endless learning curve and yeah. there's like old school improvisers that have been doing it forever Uh, and since it started and, um, there's a reason for that, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I I I think if you get too comfortable too early, like I, I, I wonder how long does, even if you, if you're like, yes, I'm doing it, like, are you going to end up more frustrated sooner? Um, or kind of like, uh, lose the joy in it sooner if you're not continuing to challenge yourself and take advantage of what it has to offer. Right.
0: Uh, your work as a voice actor is also something that um, uh, you've done a ton of. As, as people can hear, you've got a good voice for voice acting. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, I can see here on the Zoom call, you have a great mic. Um, I don't know the brand, but it's one of those good directional mics. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got good... And you, you have a page that's about gear. You have a channel on YouTube. or, or um, Is it kind of intended to be comical. oh yeah, uh, okay. Cuz some I was like, "Oh yeah, of course he's a gearhead. Of course he knows all this stuff." And it's like, "Okay, you have to know gear to do this, but he's also being funny and goofy." So I
1: guess this is yeah. more
0: comedy than actually giving gear tips.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it, the channel is called Serious Gear um and uh it's on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. We we try to put it everywhere. Um but but uh yeah. It's so funny. Like we, we, it's because we're doing like really dry, mm-hmm. uh, kind of absurd, uh, parody tutorials, mm-hmm. but it's so dry, especially when I do it. Like I I'm, I'm making it too dry. <laughs> I, I, as we've done more and more of it, like you're not the only person who's like, this is, is this, how much of it is serious and how much of it is not because <laughs> well, it's what I love
0: about it. Cause I love yeah. dry humor like that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm glad, and and I think that like I think that like once people know that it's comedy, that that it's easier to be like okay, I, but but like it, it's really like I can't tell with all yeah, of but them. That's, I for some <laughs> reason just really have
0: always gotten a. I mean, that's why I like Andy Kaufman. I mean, there's there's this element of like I don't know what part of this is a joke. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it seems it either all is. Or only part of it is, um, but yeah. I get a, I do get a kick out of those. I I love subtle humor
1: like that. Well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, and and that's um, again just looking for for opportunities to blend comedy and the audio stuff uh, mm-hmm. between uh, Colin and I, and then uh, the third guy on there is is Chris. Um, and they yeah they had this studio space, and we were all indulging in in like uh, learning self-production tools and uh we, we just one day we ended up doing a bit uh i think we were trying to do our own like mic comparison um to see if it was worth buying some of the like uh higher end mics mm-hmm. or popular most popular mics really and and we just started doing these bits about it and we were like let's do a parody channel <laughs> <laughs> on this and uh and then yeah like it, it as it turns out the one of the things that, that the rec- professional recording studio is most useful for is being a backdrop to these ridiculous bits.
0: <laughs> and that that was part of what made it like, made me going in think that it must be serious because you were in a professional recording studio. So I was like, oh, this is legit. Oh, wow. And then the jokes and the humor started coming. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you do that stuff and you're doing voiceover work and, I mean, all the stuff that we've been talking about. When you're a multi-hyphenate like that, how do you view yourself? Like, if you're saying, like, here's the work I want to do, uh, uh, like, if I could make a bunch of money doing one thing, which one would I pick? Like, which one would
1: it be? Yeah, that really is the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> uh, like, and I think... um the short the short answer is like right now at this moment um i have been branding myself as a uh, freelance audio engineer voiceover artist and comedy creator Mm -hmm. and those are still pretty broad (laughs) right right and i know there's three of them yeah (laughs) uh but uh yeah it is it is tough um (laughs) my, my dad yeah. When I, when I moved here as a couple of years after I moved here and, um, we were talking about like how much time you need to spend in order to like, you know, basically like, uh, if, if you want to do something for a living, uh, treat it like it's your job before it's your job. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we were talking about in that vein and, um, he was like Any- anything you're working on, uh, that you, if you want to do something creative professionally, make sure you're spending like f- at least 30 hours a week working on that thing um and he was like he was like so like whatever your thing is that you're gunning for and uh and he goes uh and i'm not sure exactly what your thing is (laughs) but whatever it is make sure that you're spending that much time doing it and great lesson first of all but really the the little blip that stood out for me was like oh shit like what is my thing (laughs) like well, I
0: imagine you got into it the same way I did, where it's like, here are a number of things I can do, and if I can make a little bit with each of them, then maybe that will be what I can live off of. And then sometimes that changes into, it, maybe one of these will just really pop off, <laughs> and then that
1: can be what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I was in Michigan, I I, I was with a uh, talent agency, a um for voiceover and on camera stuff. And, uh, I got that through the the improv theater. Um, and so I was making money on that. And, and for the last like six months before moving, um, that was my only job and, uh, that, that was great. And I was like, okay, like I have, again, this confidence this validation to like, go do it. Um, and but, but then, but then, you know you you get to a new city and you gotta start over and and then, really, what right. what I start thinking about is that like, okay, I, I don't have an agency, and I don't have like um there's these things that that I could aim at, but they're ultimately out of my control. If right. I can't get access to the auditions, you know, if they happen, then great, but how much time should I really justify uh uh spending? chasing it if it's if it's ultimately out of my control and so i get more drawn to like the stuff that i can control and Mm self-produce and in the the what's great is that i can create all this stuff and have a pile of stuff on the internet that i'm happy with and and you know cool and fun or or whatever the 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 drawback of it is that um i can easily get distracted with um the things that i could do or like want to try or and 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 that also people then lose their perception of like what does James do like right oh, you know um and and hundred percent in the same boat <laughs> yeah yeah because you're very multi multifaceted too and 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 like I and I know what goes into creating a uh a, a well produced podcast and and edit and this show is really great like you've got your your uh and I didn't realize you had almost you're you're, you're coming up on um two hundred episodes before too long right. Well, I'm
0: over 200 now. Are you really? Yeah, oh, wow. just before the holidays got 200.
1: The, yeah, that's the and you know, it's well produced and I, I like I, kudos to you. Thanks. But and like I, I get burnt out on it and and I'm like <laughs> yeah. and I know that like if I just chose to do one thing, I could make it better. And I hear something like your show, and I'm like, "That's what I should be doing with anything that I do is put more time into one thing." But it's so hard. You get you get you get you get tempted to be pulled in all these different directions.
0: Absolutely. And I I'm knocking around an idea of doing a, a stuff more like what you're doing with like video things on YouTube, and I want to do that. But if. Uh, I think the thing that people will have to think about when they go, because a lot of people are creating podcasts and a lot mm-hmm. of people have, they've, they've gone a few months into doing a podcast and they stopped doing it. And the thing that I think people have to think about is you got to do it within what you have a capacity to, to like keep doing and toiling over because you can overdo it. And a lot of people have, uh, maybe it's just like, I'm going to do a TikTok a day. And then like after a, couple of months they're like this is too much and then they end up not doing it or just getting burnt out entirely and not doing it at all and it's like well there's a thing you could have been doing a bunch uh throughout years maybe but if you over uh uh, over if you like spread yourself too thin then you can end up burning yourself out now you're not helping yourself in the way that you wanted to and that in some cases, maybe it's fine that you step away, but there there are times I think when someone could have, if they hadn't bitten off more than they could chew, uh, uh, had uh, they could have had a lot of growth out of that. So I I don't want to put too much on my plate, but I also don't want to not do enough.
1: <laughs> I guess exactly, yeah, yeah, and that that's it's a really tough. Um it's a tense relationship right because mm-hmm. you're like well okay sit and think about what you would want to be spending a full time day or week doing like what would bring you joy like is it video is it audio is it stage and then you're like well maybe it's this but i don't really know because i haven't done enough of it mm-hmm. or you think like oh for sure podcasting well, i would love it and then you get into it and you're like well, this is not what I was hoping it would be. <laughs> so you don't know until you try. And and right. then and then that makes you want to try more things before you decide what to focus on and so you don't end up focusing on anything.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh gosh, I mean at one point when I started this podcast, I was like I'll do two podcasts a week. Two different like different podcasts, not two episodes a week. Okay. And then just starting this, I was like um I don't know that I have time to do this other thing now, right now. And uh, it's still like a fun idea, but it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to tackle it. It's four years now, over four years that I've, (laughs) that I had these ideas at this point. And uh, I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if I'll ever get to that one now. Yeah. (laughs) I still have have the Facebook and the, (laughs) and probably the Twitter too, but I, I have just not made them
1: yeah oh man and i mean it's a whole nother can of worms to talk about like uh with every project that you dedicate any amount of time to you know you're really you're not gonna make any headway um i think most would argue that you wouldn't make much headway without social media so you got to (laughs) like not only do the project itself but you got to create the um the online presence and the social media presence around it too uh and and manage and maintain that so it's yeah it's a tall order to to be juggling one let alone multiple projects at a time
0: <laughs> right right and you know and it's there's to do well on social media you really have to engage in a certain way, and yep. the people I know who've really blown up on social media they are it's really like a task and a half like it really I was like with them anytime I was around them, they were just like head down in the phone. And it's like, man, I don't want to, I don't know that I want to do that. But yeah. if you're doing it alone, that's how you have to do it. I mean, celebrities yep. have teams that are doing that stuff. Justin Timberlake isn't posting himself all the time. It's, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah, the yeah. Assistant yeah. who's doing it. Uh, yeah. Which is why I always think it's funny. Like when people are getting in the, his business with his wife or anything, and they'll try to like, comment on uh her instagram adding him about something and it's like you know that it's just their assistants reading this stuff right like yeah right you know, what are yeah, you doing absolutely <laughs> like, yeah they don't have this time that you have <laughs> no yeah and you shouldn't be taking this time that you're taking to at them uh <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no it's something you know like um uh, Getting all this stuff together, it's fun to do, but if it works, then it's like great. But when it's like, all right, I'm putting this out there, uh, you have to want to do it. You have to enjoy doing it because if it's not the thing that's uh, blowing up for you, um, you know, you can't you can't focus uh, uh, <laughs> you can't focus on it if you're hating doing it.
1: You know, you yeah. can't hate it and it not be doing anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think th- that's the other thing too, is just like understanding how much time anything uh, takes uh, mm-hmm. to build something successful out of it. Is like, uh, it's going to be a while. You If you, if, if it happens, if you just like, are like, I'm going to try this as a career, you know, a creative endeavor moving to New York or LA or any, anywhere and, and be it, you you might get lucky and something might happen for you in the first year or two, but um, you're absolutely right. You, like you have to love doing the work and and be and and it, ha- it has to be something that you would want to do regardless. Um, because it might take like ten years, <laughs> fifteen yeah. years. Oh
0: for <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. I mean, and like a lot of people who let's say someone who's just doing stand up, um, they they may be unhappy with uh, those first few years because they want to blow up immediately. But it's like, well, look, it it can take 10 or 15 years. So do you want to put that time into it? Um, Justina, girlfriend of the show, read uh, read something, actually a mutual friend of ours had posted it, but it was an article that was saying, it was trying to help people realize what it is they really wanted to do. And this author was saying I wanted to be when I was in high school or college or whatever, I wanted to be a rock star. So I was like playing guitar. I want to be a rock star. And then, um, I would have dreams of it and everything. But then when it came to like playing live, I thought it was like a chore to lug the equipment around and, and yeah. do all that stuff. And it's like, okay, I, I realized I didn't actually want to do the stuff that's required (laughs) of you in order to be a rock star, to be a musician. And it really makes you sort of think about that, right? Like, if I don't want to do these things that are required for for the outcome I want, then maybe I don't really want that thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because there's uh, uh, this has been coming up in conversations uh, with friends of mine, too, is is like there's no clean, perfect, neat and tidy, 100 percent joyful way to try to make a career out of something you love. Right. There's going to be crap you got to deal with. You got to be lugging your instruments. You got to be doing the social media. If those are not things that you like or, or, uh, or if there are things that you dislike, you have to like what you're doing, why you're doing it. Mm hmm that much more to outweigh the burden of the stuff that you're doing. So like, yeah, it really, it's, it is so important to like take time to, to really think, like feel out what you're drawn to and, and most passionate about to put up with the stuff that, that it takes. <laughs> right. For sure.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, well I feel like there's so much I could talk to you about but we've reached the end of the episode Uh, and it's now time to create something together. Cool. Um, One thing that was sticking out to me, and maybe you have a a different idea and we could do that if you, if you would prefer. But I was wondering, because we were talking about uh, you coaching people to challenge them. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if there was a way that we could sort of demonstrate that. Like what, uh, what sort of things people can look for to challenge themselves.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It's an interesting question because it's very, I guess I'm trying to think of a way that it's to, to make it like uh, applicable, no matter what you're doing, I suppose we probably want to think about things creatively. Right. I mean, um, not just like a workout plan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, let's uh, narrow it down to maybe improvisers. Okay.
0: Uh, Let's say like, Because I I do feel that everyone could sharpen the edges or, or, you know, have some refine, refine some things about what they're doing. But um, maybe they don't know where to look or maybe there's some things in the back of their head that they're trying to ignore. Like, (laughs) how could we help an improviser figure this stuff out?
1: Um. I maybe, maybe okay, so a couple things that come to mind. One would be like I, I real I think that like for most improvisers, there's probably something that like just starting this conversation comes to mind for for that listener that's mm. like ugh, musical improv or like game of the scene or mm. um accents. Yeah, accents um short form, you know, uh, mm. herald. Like I, I think um if if you have something like that. The thing to do is, um, one, <laughs> have you done it before? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, honestly, for a lot of people right now, it's, I'll bet you. I'll bet you what what might come to mind is doing virtual improv. I think there's oh, yeah. a lot of improvisers who are like, <laughs> eh, just not for me. Who haven't tried it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs>
0: or they at least maybe the, you know pre-COVID they saw some some performers do something they thought was amazing and they just thought oh i can never be good at accents or physical comedy
1: yeah um and so i i the thing to do is, is ask yourself if if have you tried it um and then ask yourself uh if you haven't tried it like what what, what bothers you about it mm. um And, uh, if you can kind of figure out like, like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it seems hacky what, like, whatever it is. Like, I think, I think one, one thing that people, uh, would benefit from, from thinking about, um, or just realizing is that like, you don't have to do something that you like in a, or, or don't like in a particular way. If you don't like, if you're like, ah, you know, doing boiling things down to like game of the scene, practicing game of the scene is, is like, is like too heady. Well, then um, challenge yourself to do it, but how can I do it and make it like uh, have it a, an emotional core, a relationship core, a well-acted mm-hmm. core? Um, if you don't like musical improv because it seems like um, uh, cheesy or whatever, like can you, f- can you figure out a way, if you had to do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a way that you're doing it, but um, not in the way that you're seeing or feeling that you dislike what would it look like? There's, Mm -hmm. you don't don't have to do it a particular way, you know? Um, and I think that sometimes we, we, we overlook that, that like, Oh, I can, I can do something that I don't like in my own way and I might actually like it.
0: Right. That's a really good point.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I think, I think that's like, uh, generally keeping it again, general, even to, to improvisers in general Mm -hmm. is, uh, my advice that I would offer. Awesome. And then go do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Are there things that, um, you know, a lot of times in a practice or a class, someone will say, uh, you'll get a good note and you'll want to take the note. And you want to use the note. Um, obviously, you can't really use the note until the next time you do improv. <laughs> yeah, And maybe you don't have another opportunity coming up soon. Are there ways to sort of uh, take the note, use the note and, and, and develop? uh that i mean you know there it it just that's one of the downsides uh to improv is that there's there're not a lot of uh self practicing opportunities yeah <laughs> you have when you're on stage and then in
1: class or practice and that's kind of it um <laughs> yeah and even if you can it's it's like <sighs> this and this is the tough thing about virtual improv too is that like even if you can be like okay i got i got me and one other person or a group of people um it's tough to like recreate the pressure or the condition of being under the audience which tends mm-hmm. to uh be very important with uh, a lot of challenges and and uh stuff it's like you need the same stakes right. there too so the, not only do you need people to collaborate with you need an audience, right? To really get Absolutely. it
0: right. And there's certainly certain things that um, you can do alone, like if it's uh, maybe coming up with a bunch of ideas off of a suggestion. You can sit alone and do that. And I think, uh, I think in Mick Napier's first improv book, he has a list of things that, like, activities and practices you can do alone. Uh, accents, obviously, you know, or impressions, you know, you can mm-hmm. just listen to something and just kind of like work on it again and again. But how, how do you more intently listen? How do you practice listening better (laughs) or, or whatever?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that stuff. Okay. All right. This, this, this could open up a whole nother thing. So let me, let me try to, let me try to boil down my thoughts here just so I don't get uh, all over the place. Um, uh, here, here's my most practical offer is, is that, uh, don't think about it in terms of improvising. Think about practical skills that you can, uh, hone, um, objectively. Uh, and, and, and that's actually something that I like to do a lot with, um, directing too is, is like, uh, in terms of doing things that are challenging, it's, it's like when we're rehearsing, have objective goals and, uh, aim at them, pass or fail, you know, you'll get better the more that you try it. So like, um, what uh, you got to find those objective things. And I think that, uh, a, a couple things that I would offer for the examples that we named is like, uh, let's say, let's say uh, music is pretty obvious. It's like, if you, um, are uncomfortable with musical improv, learn some songs, learn to sing a song, learn a little bit of music. Um, you know, uh, Try, try to try to learn a song to sing well. Um, if that's what you're hung up on, is like I'm not a good singer, or like I just feel weird, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe maybe learn a song, uh, and then start harmonizing with it. Um, and then uh, and then you know, and then learn that song, and then uh, put it into a totally different melody, and start playing around with it once once you've learned it. Um, if it's game of the scene, um, you know, another place that you see that uh, is writing. So write a sketch, find the game of the scene, um, or watch online improv, uh, not, not, not necessarily virtual improv, uh, but like t- shows that have been taped um, and look for the game of the scene in, in a scene just to kind of like see if you can do it and train your brain to think that way or look at uh, SNL sketches and be like, what was the game of that scene? Um, another thing that that, that I, I'll generally offer that I think is really helpful, um, is vo- like voiceover and self-recorded stuff. Um, the condition of having an audience, the closest thing that I can, uh, suggest to getting that feeling, then those stakes is the record button. Um, when, if you, if you were re- recording like, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking to to beef up like your commitment to acting and characters and vulnerability and stuff, learn a monologue, self record it, um, and try to be really authentic and sincere in your acting, um, uh, or or with voiceover, if you write yourself a sketch, um, and do all the voices for it. Uh, if you're trying to do characters and um accents, you can really like. There's a it's part of the reason I really really love audio is because it it's the world of imagination, um, and so you can bend reality a lot the same way that you can without um costumes and props and improv in in the audio only world of uh of characters so like see if you can just kind of play around with the the character and the imagination world recording yourself uh doing bits um and see where that takes you that's as succinct as i can get
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that was a lot of really great practical advice <laughs> there it is, James. i hope thanks. so yeah <laughs> oh it totally was
1: thanks so much for being on the podcast james yeah thank you so much for having me jason uh it's a really great show I, I i love it a lot and um it's been a pleasure to talk with you
0: really awesome having him on james is incredible he does so much stuff and you should check it out as i mentioned he is the education director of the improv network and the co-host of the improv network podcast go to the improv org to find out more about that is a great resource also, check out James's stuff on soundsfunnyrecords.com. He's got a good bit on there. And we have links in the bio for that. Also, you can check out on Instagram at soundsfunnyrecords and at seriousgear. Don't forget to follow us at thereitispod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And why don't you check out our comedy lifestyle newsletter? It's free. So check it out. Until next time, be good to each other.